and welcome to Ambulate Cum Nobis, your hiking companions on the road to heaven. My name is Rock. And I'm Allie. Today on Ambulate Cum Nobis, we will be continuing to talk about religious life by talking about monks and brothers. But before we begin, let us begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. St. Benedict Joseph Labre, you gave up honor, money, and home for love of Jesus. Help us to set our hearts on Jesus and not on the things of this world. You lived in obscurity among the poor in the streets. Enable us to see Jesus in our brothers and sisters and not judge by appearances. Make us realize that in helping them, we are helping Jesus. Show us how to befriend them and not pass them by. St. Benedict Joseph Labre, you had a great love for prayer. Obtain for us the grace of preserving prayer, especially adoration of Jesus in the most blessed sacrament. St. Benedict Joseph Labre, poor in the eyes of men, but rich in the eyes of God, pray for us. Amen. Amen. Um, St. Benedict Joseph Labre, pray, pray for, for us. us. Venerable Fulton Sheen, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And today, the patron saint is St. Benedict Joseph Labray. So, Ali, do you want to give us a little more information on St. Benedict Joseph Labray? Mm -hmm. The prayer actually described a lot of his life. He, um, so he, he was the oldest of 15 children, and he was in a prosperous, wealthy family. And he decided when he was... And he decided he felt called to become a brother or a monk. So he attempted to join hmm? a monk. Yeah. Oh, all of them were congregations of monks? Yeah, okay. all monks. Okay. So he felt called to be a monk. So he attempted to join the Trappists, the Carthusians, and the Cistercians, but was was rejected by them all, though those were not his calling. Um, therefore, he spent most of his days wandering Europe, um, specifically Rome, and he w lived a life entirely in poverty. He was homeless on the streets for the most part, but he would go to perpetual adoration in the cathedrals. Um, it was recorded that he would be seen floating, soaring, or by locating in his times of prayer. Um, especially, he was often contemplating the crown of thorns. Um, he cured. He was record to have cured most of his fellow homeless from their ailments. Um, and he was also reported to have multiplied bread similar to Christ in the, in the loaves and the fishes. Mm. Um, he ended up passing away in a hospice um, after his um, life helping others, even when he himself needed a lot of help in his conditions. Oh, and he's, he's the patron saint of bachelors, um, homeless people, and mental illness. Hmm. Oh, and also people rejected by religious orders. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good patron saint to pray for your vocation. So he lived the life, uh, he lived uh, a single life, not necessarily consecrated in any way, but a single life and uh, helping and serving God, but not as a monk or a brother, which we will talk about next time. But today we are going to be talking about monks and brothers. And even though they're not technically monks and brothers, we're also going to throw in um, orders of priests 
or fraternities, priestly fraternities. We're going to discuss those. And this episode follows rather closely with our uh, sisters and nuns episode. Um, so all you young men out there who are discerning or, or listening and are interested in monks or brothers, this one's for you. We'll start again with trying to define or figure out the difference between monks and brothers. So I know like monks and brothers are very similar to sisters and nuns and the fact that monks are essentially cloistered. Um, well, I guess maybe not, but monks aren't found abroad whereas brothers are. So a monk, like a nun, stays in their monastery. They may be moved around between different monasteries, um, but for the most part, they stay in their monastery. Whereas brothers can be found out in the world, like sisters would be. So like uh, a Benedictine is a monk, a Franciscan, I think, is a brother. Yes, they're brothers. Technically, they're friars, I guess. Or maybe that's just the name for Franciscans. Yeah, I guess the main difference is that monks stay in their monastery praying, whereas brothers go out in the world and do their work there. Let's talk uh, a bit about brothers. So brothers, like we said, go out in the world. So let's try and think of some examples of what brothers would do. Brothers would probably help with um, acts of service in their communities, similar to the missionaries of charity and the sisterhood. I'm sure there are groups that are dedicated to just serve, purely serving the poor. Yeah, like St. Francis, right? He was a brother. Uh, he started a, a an order of brothers begging, and he converted and read the gospel and, and built a church. What's another good example of a brother? It seems that you see less brothers than sisters. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Dominicans. That, oh. The Dominicans are a good example. You see them often. They're very, uh, apparently very well known for being very lively brothers, like uh, Father Nick. You know Father Nick, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think he said Mass on school days a couple times. Did we talk last week about the vows that sisters make? Because brothers make those same vows, poverty, chastity, and obedience. We did not. That would be a great thing to talk about. Um, and that's a great thing because brothers and monks will take different vows. Oh. And it's the same with the sisters and nuns. They take different vows because I believe monks also take a vow of stability, I think, which means they stay in one place. And there are other vows that they can take also. But yeah, let's talk about those now. That's a good idea. So this also applies to the sisters and to the nuns. What were the vows again? Um, sisters and nuns typically take the vows of, well, they all take these vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, right. And then depending on the order, there may be more vows that come with it. Mm-hmm. And whether they're monk or brother or nun or sister. Um, so like, let's, let's go through those. Poverty, so they're not going to own anything, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like... Um, I remember going to this one one night retreat with some sisters that they gave. Uh, I think at Our Lady of Consul, or OLC, actually, they gave it there. I was helping with a summer camp there, and there was a retreat 
that night and uh, they gave the, it was it was funny because people were baffled by the fact that the sister didn't own any property the sister giving the talk said like if i need to pack up if they're going to send me across the country then what i'm going to do is all i have to do is go and get my rosary and maybe my crucifix and then and then i'll leave and they're like what and she's like, yep, it takes me less than five minutes to pack. And then I'm off to the other side of the country or the other side of the world. And she was so joyful when she said it. And it confused a lot of a lot of the people there. They're like, wait, where do you get your clothes? And she's like, I make them. These are my clothes. This is all that I have. And they're like, what? And they're, it, Were these all adults or teens or? Um, they were teens, young teens. Okay. Like. 13 maybe even 12 mm-hmm. i was 12 at the time because i know like depending on how some people grew up they might not know a lot about sisters and nuns mm-hmm. which is basically what this retreat was for it was for the religious mm-hmm. life i remember going up to the sister afterwards because i was help since i was helping run the retreat and the sisters were helping to run the retreat I remember going i remember seeing the sister who gave the talk afterwards and i said hey sister i thought a lot about your talk last night but I don't think I'm called to be a nun. <laughs> that was fun. And then I went again the next year. My buddy took me. You were allowed to take a friend. So he took me the next year as he was helping with the summer camp. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, their vow of poverty basically means they don't have property. Mm-hmm. Which that's what Jesus told uh, the rich young man to do, right? Well, he's like, the rich young man's like, well, I've done everything that you said to do. How do I get to the kingdom of heaven? He said, go sell all your property and and uh, and follow me. And he went away sad. But it never said that he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. I think there have been some records saying that he did end up doing that. Which, which is basically sure. what a monk does, right? Mm-hmm. They sell their property and they go and follow the Lord. St. Francis of Assisi is a good example of this. Um, mm-hmm. For starters, he was called by God to build up the church, which he took literally at first. Um, <laughs> what God meant was the church of the people, but um, St. Francis at first thought he meant the church building. And his parents did not fully approve of this and would not allow him to use their money or sell their things. And so he ended up living a life of poverty. He refused to accept any money from his family, um, rejected his inheritance, and um, grew up a poor monk. He also, uh, I think at first, sold some of his father's property. Right. And then his father found out and he got mad. And then I think he did that just to get starting funds for the church. But then he sold all of his property and gave the money back to his dad. He'd go through the streets asking for stones. Um, but, I mean, you don't need stuff to follow the Lord. I mean, as soon as you die, stuff becomes obsolete. It's like nothing in the material world comes with you. Your body will eventually, but that's all. So you shouldn't, in general, no matter your state in life, be attached to stuff. I mean, anybody who's been in a house fire knows this. And maybe maybe that maybe that's what it takes to really understand i mean i guess another way you could put it i mean every just about everybody's lost a pet it's a very sad thing but it's it's a material thing i mean pets are slightly different than a book maybe but but i mean yeah and then there's obedience and the the uh, vow of obedience is 
basically the same as obeying your parents, except you're choosing to obey your superior and to obey God under reasonable circumstances. I mean, obeying God all the time, obeying your superior under reasonable circumstances. An example of not obeying under reasonable circumstances would be uh, in Dante's Inferno. I believe there's this there's this uh, guy. Don't remember which circle, but he is he was a briber, and uh, his superior was the bishop. And the bishop said, "Well, I'll forgive all of your bribery sins if you go and bribe these people for me." And he said, like he'd forgive them first, but and so he went and did it. And then he described it as, "And at, when I died, God's angels came to get me with Saint Francis and." The demons took him and said, don't take our prize away, and took him down to hell. When you say bribery, are you referring to the um, purchasing of penance? or? Um, I don't think that's what he was doing. I think he was like bribing political leaders for money or something. But like, yeah, I don't quite remember. I've got to reread that. It's not down here anymore. I would find the reference, but yeah, so obedience is essentially the same as any obedience Mm -hmm. and chastity is well you can't get married if you're a monk Mm -hmm. (laughs) that simple Mm -hmm. which in the middle ages seemed to be some trouble for some of the more powerful ones (laughs) and so brothers take those three vows i don't know if there's any more vows for any of them but i also know monks take a vow of stability which I believe nuns take it too, where you stay in your monastery or convent unless you're told to to move to a different monastery or a different convent. Sometimes monks will take a vow of silence where they won't speak, I, I don't think, except in prayer. There are some monks that just live in total isolation, right? Like, Yeah, like um, I'm trying to remember their names. You've heard of Chartreuse? I haven't. The the monks of Chartreuse? They may be Cistercians, actually. Anyways, Chartreuse is a type of wine, I think, but it's only made in one place, and that's on this monastery on the top of a mountain in France. And uh, apparently it's really good wine, and only two monks ever know how to make it. There's only two monks that know how to make it, one and his assistant. So when one dies, one more monk gets gets to be the assistant. Only two people in the world know how to make it. Wow. Quite cool when you think about it. But I know they live alone in their cells. They even have their meals alone. The only time they're together is for, I think, one, maybe two meals on Sunday and prayer. And they're alone the rest of the time. I don't think I could take that. They must be really good at social distancing. Yeah, that monastery is probably not suffering a lot from COVID. The monks can do it. We can do it too, guys. Yeah, I guess there's various other vows. Uh, I thought the vow of silence, is a, I always thought that was very interesting. Because some just, they won't talk. And each of these vows aren't aren't made for the sake of making things, well, like they are hard. Like They're sacrifices. Um, like, Mm-hmm. And they're not made purely for punishment. They're made like people, like they make them out of love of God. They want, they're saying, I'm willing to go through this because of my love of God. This is what I'm called to do. This is how I'm going to praise and worship God. 
Yeah. And another thing about monks and brothers and sisters and nuns, again, is uh, the amount that you're allowed to see your family in the outside world. Because I know at least for monks, I think it's, and maybe even for certain sisters too, and brothers and nuns, you're only allowed, depending on the order, you're only allowed to see them, I think. Once you get there, you wait five years, and then ten, maybe ten or fifteen years after that, you can visit them once a year. Or yeah, like once you can visit them once, and then I think every five years after that, or something like that. Wow. But that's only you going to visit them. They can come and visit you, as far as I know, as many times as they'd like. Whether or not you can see them, I guess, depends on your superior's permission. But That would probably be the hardest for me in terms of that kind of discernment. Like, mm-hmm. I'm obviously not going to become a brother or a monk. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, if but, like, just that amount of separation from my family is something that I've always thought. I don't think I could go more than, like, the longest I've been away from home is probably about a month. Even I haven't been away from home that long. Maybe the most for me is a week. I mean, you remember Sister Gabriella? Yeah. That was her jubilee year of her of her taking her final vows. It was I thought twenty five years, I think something like that. Twenty five, maybe fifty. I don't think it was fifty. It was twenty five years, I think. And so she was allowed to go home and visit her parents that year, um, which was good because her mom was dying, and so she went to go take care of her mom. I think she was trained as a nurse too, so she could go and take care of her mom over there, and she got permission to go do that. That's good that she was able to be with her family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope I see her again. I liked Sister Gabriella. I remember she came up to me once. We were on we were on a um, girls retreat, and we had just finished doing an improv game, and she came up to me, and she goes, I thought you were a quiet girl. <laughs> you are not a quiet girl. <laughs> Whenever she, – she was the head sacristan, and so when mm-hmm. I would be serving often – and getting things ready beforehand. And and uh, she'd always say, like, whenever it was Father George who was doing benediction, she'd always say, the little father, the little father. <laughs> and she's like, when I go away, you will be head sacristan. You'll know what to do. She's a wonderful lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're only allowed to visit their family every so often. So mm-hmm. now uh, before we move on to canons and orders of priests, let's talk a little bit about different orders of brothers and monks i don't know a lot about orders of brothers i mean i know i think the franciscans the jesuits and the dominicans those are all brothers Mm -hmm. and i think all of their missions is conversion and missionary work right or is franciscans something else i believe so franciscans um yeah if they're similar to the franciscan sisters yeah their calling would be to educate and help in any way they can like service yeah and i know the jesuits were founded for missionary work and the dominicans i think were also founded for missionary work yeah i don't know many other orders though i mean the capuchins are a type of franciscan i think yeah i don't know any others but i know a little more about monks than i do brothers i mean in the way that it's constructed in their daily life i don't know if the order of saint john are brothers or monks because they stay there don't they and they just go between monasteries i think so so would they be monks and nuns then? Or is Not it a sure. priestly fraternity? It might be that too. Because they all had the same mass, it seemed. But 
monks like the Benedictines are monks, and uh, we had mentioned the Cistercians are monks. The Trappists, I don't. The Cistercians are type of Benedictine, I think. Uh, the Trappists may also be a kind of Benedictine, but basically, monasticism started with Saint Benedict. I mean, he really was the father of, I mean, he wasn't the father of monasticism. That was St. John Cassius, but St. Benedict really started monasticism with his order and his rule, because up to that point, there wasn't rules for monks. In the Benedictine order, at least, your duties are to pray and work. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. I'm trying to remember, we read in school, we read the life and miracles of St. Benedict, and now I'm drawing a blank on everything they talked about in it. Yeah, I don't think we read that one, but we did read the rule of St. Benedict. Let's move on to um, canons. So canons are like an order of priests. I don't know if they're more similar to monks or more similar to brothers. I don't know a lot about canons. I have only recently learned about them through the canons of St. John Cantius who run the church of St. John Cantius in Chicago, which is a really beautiful church. But I know they're an, that they're an order of priests, so they're all ordained. And that's one thing about brothers and monks, not all of them are ordained. Often you'll have a lot of brothers who do get ordained, but not always. And I don't think in monks you have, often have a lot ordained. But then there's also like priestly fraternities, like the priestly fraternity of St. Peter. I know almost nothing about priestly fraternities and canons, but I know they're they're different from brothers and monks, though some brothers are ordained. And I think some orders you may have to be ordained. A priestly fraternity is different than an order of brothers. It's really important, like you said in, um, in the sisters, talk that that you do your research on the order if you're trying to discern that then it's really important to understand what the order is created for the disciplines of the order and what the order strives to do and it's good to do your history of the order too and the history of the certain monastery because let's just say if you go through history, not all monastic history is good. It was hard for the Benedict for some Benedictines, and often took a saint to re kind of refound a monastery in order to keep it on track. Because they would, because the Benedictines would get so rich because all they did was pray and work. So they were working and and it was making them so rich because they were working all these fields and and everything and because that's all they did all day wasn't there i think there was an attempt to murder saint not saint benedict joseph Lebray, but um that's probably something we should know we are talking about two saint <laughs> yes um so if we say just saint benedict we're referring to the saint benedict who um created the benedictine order of monks and we'll say saint benedict joseph Lebray for referring to him um but saint benedict saint benedict um <laughs> wasn't there <laughs> Wasn't there, um, because of his way of trying to get everyone to, his way of doing things, not a lot of monks were a fan of that? Uh, Not a lot of, some corrupt monks were a fan of that. Um, Trying to remember who it was who was writing. I think it was, I think it was the founder of the Knights Templar, actually. I don't remember his name. Was saying something later 
about how there are four types of monks. Monks with an order, monks without an order, monks that wander around, and oh, there's one more. Monks in a monastery, monks with a rule, monks without a rule, and monks without a monastery. And monks without a rule and without a monastery is not good. Because then they're just wandering around. Like, uh, for instance, Friar Tuck from Robin Hood. He was not a good monk. Okay, he didn't follow a rule, and he wasn't in a monastery. In fact, I think in some versions, he was kicked out of the monastery. So he, he was not a good monk. He's a great character, not a good monk. Because <laughs> um, he's wandering around, he often, he's often portrayed as this big, fat guy. Monks, one, I mean, how many fat monks have you seen other than in film? I mean, if they're living a life of poverty, how much chance is there to, for them to get fat? I don't think I've ever met a fat monk. <laughs> I don't think I've ever met a monk. So. Oh, really? I'm not sure. I'm sure I have, and I'm just forgetting because I have the memory of a goldfish. <laughs> of a dory? No worse than dory. Oh. It's... It's pretty bad sometimes. Yeah, mine too. Like I know when I changed schools, there was one girl. It took me a full year to get her name. Like are you her, getting yours? I think he did that out of spite, <laughs> like like just just to mess with me because he knew he knew that I hated being called my sister's name. <laughs> that sounds like something he would do. <laughs> so there was a girl, and I couldn't remember her name, and I'd always look at her and I go, "No, I know it starts with an E." It, it started with a K. Oh. I, I was very wrong. <laughs> it took me a full year. It took me a full year to learn a person in my class's name. She was only in one, maybe two classes. I didn't learn her name until I got the yearbook. I thought your name, I, I wasn't sure when I met you if your name was Brock or Rock. Oh, yeah. Lots of people do that. Lots <laughs> so I would, just, do that. I would just kind of mumble your name whenever I would say hi to you because <laughs> I didn't want to say the wrong one. I think that, yeah, I mean, a lot of people do that. Like, for instance, in my hockey program, the, well, she's the new director now, actually, one of the new directors. Um, she entered my name into her computer as Brock Phelps. Oh, no. And now, now that she knows my name, she's, whenever she tries to type it in there, it all, always autocorrects. So, yeah, that, that happens a lot. I always correct people because I don't want them thinking of the former president when they're saying my name. Anyways, what were we talking about? Something about discernment, wasn't it? Um, memory of a goldfish. Like, I remember we we got to memory of a goldfish and then... Mm. Oh, monks, right. We were talking about monks and monks brothers. <laughs> for discerning, like we'd said. You, you should really do your research into the history of the monasteries. That's where we got the fat monks through the history of the monasteries right because <laughs> it's very important to do your research because some the devil does use monks as his servants and he used priests and bishops and cardinals and popes as his servants sometimes and that doesn't mean all monks are and it doesn't mean all monks yeah. of that order are so it's really important that that then that you visit that monastery They'll often have programs where you can come in and live the life of a monk. While we were at the community of St. John, I think there were one or maybe two 
people maybe discerning there because it seemed they lived there but they weren't monks or brothers or canons or I'm not sure what the community of St. John is. And it's important that if you discern to become a monk or a brother, that you follow your vows and that you be a good monk or a brother. You don't want to be falling into and stumbling on the same stones that that those in the order that have stumbled before have stumbled on because that's often how heresies can start when you have these monks or brothers who stumble and go off in this other direction. And one thing is, just because there are bad people in the order doesn't mean that it's a bad order. No, no. Like, it could be your calling to help improve it, too. Of course, yes. Like like we said with the Benedictines, there are many bad Benedictines. And it took somebody to come and refound the order and say, hey, this has got to stop. And they refounded it. And I mean, like, and it's, there's going to be bad monks and bad brothers and bad sisters and bad nuns, no matter where you go. Everyone is um, susceptible to temptation. Mm-hmm. And it's, you can't be thinking with an air of pride either, because then that's going to make you more susceptible. You can't be thinking, oh, well, I'll be fine. Oh, well, I'll be the one to go. And well, No, you can't do that either, because then you're going to be even more susceptible to the devil making you his, his little puppet, pride which he doesn't care before about. The fall. Right. Even though summer usually does. But. And one thing is, um, another thing, as we mentioned with St. Benedict Joseph Labray, you might not get into the order that you immediately feel called to. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he, as well as many other saints, um, St. Saint Faustina, I always bring her up, but she's a good example of this. Um, she tried multiple convents and wasn't accepted into many of them until the convent she was chosen, not, until the, her final convent that she was accepted into. Yeah. And so don't be discouraged. If you truly feel called to um, be a brother, don't just, it might be that you're not called to, it might be that it's just not that specific order, but don't be discouraged. And if you want to start, uh, I love this quote. It's a modified quote, I think, from St. John Paul II and my history, my old history teacher. Why start, or you should start to be a saint now and now. And now. And now. Um, I like, like that fade quote. out. Yeah. <laughs> and now. Um, but there's no reason to wait either. If you strongly feel called to, to an order even now, start doing your research. I mean, if you're a teenager, you've only got a few short years. And now you don't have to have everything figured out then, no. But like we said at the beginning, a vocation is your entire life. It's the path that God is calling you to walk on. And so, but if you think you've found it, there's no reason to hesitate. Like I uh, feel kind of called to the Benedictine order. And uh, I've done my research. I really... I really began to, to feel a little more called to this. I'd always been considering monasticism ever since I was really little. I always was fascinated by monks. But especially when we studied monasticism in our history class, and especially when we read the rule of St. Benedict. And I recently got a scapular, and I, uh, a, a new scapular, and in it was like a St. Benedict medal with like... Um, some of the rules of St. Benedict. And if you want to start living some of those rules now, they're just 
they're kind of the basic guide to holiness. I mean, if you really want, like, even if you don't want to enter the rule of Saint or the, the Benedictine order, read the rule of Saint Benedict. You can't, you can lose nothing from reading it. Mm-hmm. He, Saint Benedict really knew what he was doing. Another thing about the Benedictines, which has been added on to their mission of praying and working uh, more recently, St. John Paul II gave the Benedictines a task. He made them the preservers of the Latin language and the traditional form of the Mass. So the Benedictines are the official guardians, you could say, of Latin and the traditional form of the Mass, which I find also fascinating because Latin is a language that should not be forgotten. It's a beautiful language, and also the the old form of the Mass is also a very beautiful form of the Mass. Uh, we'll maybe get into that in some other episode in some other season. Uh, that'd be f- something fun to do. But if you've never been to a to a high Mass, a high Latin Mass, find one because it's just a beautiful experience. Don't be afraid if you don't know how everything goes either. I know the first time I went to a high mass, I was very confused. I was too. I was so confused until I actually got trained to serve the high mass. Like, it's like, wait, what's going on now? And I didn't even know it going into training. Like, I had to learn it as I was being trained. Took me a long time to learn those prayers. I've heard some people, some people have converted to Catholicism because they went to a high mass. Well, it's such a beautiful thing. I mean, depending on the church you go to can, I believe that depending on the church you go to can affect how you look at religion. Mm -hmm. Um, I know I've been to churches where um, it's like this feels awkward. It feels awkward when you're doing kind of choreographed dance numbers during the communion. Yeah. Like, like, um, are you familiar with vacation Bible school or? Yes, but I've never had anything during the Mass with that. Okay, so here's the thing. So Vacation Bible School, they wouldn't do that during... So, like, they didn't do Mass in my Vacation Bible Schools. Like, you would have adoration, I think. But I know, like, as a kid, we didn't do... I don't think we Mass was included. But, like, they would do, like, these little dances where it was, like, um, like this little light of mine, and I'm going to let it shine. And they would, um, as I grew up, my um, we would do some of those things during the Mass would use some of those songs um one final thing about discernment um spiritual direction that's always something that if you can find someone who you can talk to about what you feel called to do i highly encourage you to do that because sometimes it's easier to figure stuff out when you have another pair of eyes with you that's not maybe it's someone you know very close um i would recommend looking for an adult it can be someone you know well someone you don't know well and like like we had said before you can talk to this with your friends, right? Your friends should be there to help you on the road to heaven. I mean, if you really want to do an examination of your friendships, think about, is this person really going to help me on my road to heaven? And if not, and you still want to continue a friendship with this person, how can we improve this friendship? Talk this over with your friends. I mean, like that's a very important thing the people's uh, company whose company you're in is very important i mean like how much do you learn who do you learn from the most really like do you learn the most from your teachers your parents or your friends likely your friends you're around your friends the most you probably you you study together you know you, you learn together i mean 
it's it's a fellowship and you can keep up that fellowship and that fellowship should be rooted in god like all things talk to your friends about vocations talk to your friends about their vocations talk to your friends about your vocation help uh help each other on the road to heaven go to adoration together now that's a great thing to do when covid is over (laughs) (laughs) if it's over by the time this is released go to adoration it's a beautiful thing to go to i've always loved going to adoration with my friends and do it if you can in silence silence really helps you focus on god and sometimes Sometimes the silence itself is kind of distracting, like, it is really, really quiet in here. But then your attention always sort of diverts from the quiet to God. It's just a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that in mind, uh, I think we'll, we will uh, close in prayer. All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. St. Benedict Joseph Lebray, pray pray for for us. us. Venerable Fulton Sheen, pray Pray for for us. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope to have another episode out for you very soon. As always, we will keep you in our prayer.